Welcome to a new episode of the Big Idea Big Moves podcast. The new the voice new of voice success. success. We all want to feel successful and fulfilled in our lives, but that can be a bumpy road. Through the experiences, journeys and advice of our guests here on Big Idea Big Moves, we will help you get a jump start on experiencing and cultivating whole life success. Be ready to take notes. Every episode has action items that you can apply to your own life right away. Okay, let's get this started. I will now pass you over to the host of Big Idea Big Moves, Jamie Allison. Hi again, everybody. I'm Jamie Allison, and this is the Big Idea Big Moves podcast. This is the destination for high performers. We talk to people from different genres, different fields, just people doing really cool things in their space that we can take little bits and pieces of their journey and what they're doing as as inspiration, but also some of those things that we can apply to our own lives as well. Um, I know I have one of those guests today. So really excited about that. Just before we jump into it, um, if you've been following the podcast for a while, you know that we have um, a a connection with Epitome Sportswear. Um, And one of the things that's really cool about them is that not only do they have kind of all of the things that fit well with some of our listeners, but uh, they also believe in giving back to the community that they serve as well. Um, And uh, they're working to impact the inequities in opportunity for girls and women in sport. And for that reason, a portion of their profits go directly to our organizations and initiatives that support girls in sports. So uh, really cool from that end. If you want to check them out, you can go directly to our Instagram bio and you can see through there that there's a link and uh, I think there's a uh, 20% off um, code as well if you want to take advantage of that. Otherwise, just go directly to epitomesportswear.com. That's E-P-I-T-O-M-E sportswear.com. And today, I'm really excited to have Alicia Newman with us today. She's a two-time Olympian. She was the 2018 Commonwealth Games champion in the women's pole vault. Um, she set a new games record there as well. Um, she set NAS- national and university records in the event. Um, she's a five-time All-American and has a degree in uh, physiology from the University of Miami as well. Uh, but she's a popular fitness and fashion influencer uh, and an entrepreneur. So a lot of things that kind of really appeal to us. And it also means that, that you're probably uh, very busy uh, all the time. So thank you, first of all, for taking the time, Alicia. Really appreciate thank- it. No, I'm excited. I love podcasts. I love that I can actually like voice myself and not just like an Instagram caption, you know, like I can actually, people can see me on the other side. So I love the interaction that we get. Well, very cool. And we were talking just before we came on here that you are uh, at that really kind of pivotal time and when you're getting ready to kind of head into your your preseason to get into the the next kind of season. Why don't you just um, tell us a little bit like what's what's it like when you're, um, you know, the difference between even this week when you're kind of not quite in that and, and, you know, all the things that you're doing. But what changes suddenly when you go into that kind of training for the actual season? Uh, yeah. Coming up? I kind of like relate it to like New Year's. Do you ever feel like New Year's, like everyone has all these like resolutions? They want to get back in the gym. They're like, I'm going to get in shape. So that's kind of like how like track starts for me. Always October 1st, it's like, okay, it's game time. Yeah. Um, so like making a lot more smart decisions. You know, I'm saying no to some things and um, things that like on my off season, I never say no to. I, I'm a big like to go to events. I'm not a partier. I just like to go and mingle and network. So I'm always saying yes to going to like nice, cool events worldwide. Um, And so for me, like October 1st, it's like my meals are prepped, my, you know, I'm getting good sleep um, and really just kind of taking care of myself, like physically Mm -hmm. Um, I come first and I'm a little more selfish. Um, And I think that that's kind of like what changes because after 
after season, you kind of just want to like not think about track. So <laughs> yeah, because because uh, people see um, right now. I mean, the, the last little while you've you've went yeah. to TIFF and things like that, and and that stuff. So you enjoy obviously going out and and taking that time when you have the ability, I guess, right? Well, it's it makes me like a full human. Like I feel like we're not meant to be alone, and so during especially with track and field it's an individual sport as much as I have a huge team around me you're out there alone and so you're competing you're traveling not all your team comes with you at all times so when I get opportunities to go celebrate go to the SBs, um, go to New York Fashion Week like I go because I completely love being a human being (laughs) and it's so cool to be around people that are not in my industry because people don't like me because of I'm an Olympian or I'm well-known people like me because of my personality. So it just is exciting for me that I can be more known as like, I'm Alicia Newman. I'm not Alicia Newman, the Olympian, you know, and nice to see that side of me. And like, if I were to stay home all day and be by myself, like I could not build a brand and I could not help others. And so me going out and being seen and, and respecting other athletes. I love going to like the biggest, I was at the, um, uh, the Super Bowl this past year. I go to the yeah. NBA finals. Like I'm very much, um, a supporter of all sports. So, um, I like to surround myself with like really positive and uplifting people because it only makes you feel better and helps you move forward, you know? Yeah. Yeah. makes total sense. And if, um, so, uh, you know, if you go back, I mean, I know that you, you started in gymnastics and some of those things, but um, I mean, as I'm Canadian and I know that, um, you know, going into pole vaulting is not mm-hmm. as like pole vaulting is it, there aren't even many facilities that do it really kind of high level. So uh, talk to us about how did you find your way into that sport? And and then obviously how, um, you know, I know that you went to the U.S. to do a lot of training and, and train around the world now. So uh, how did you how did you first find that pole vaulting was something you really wanted to do and could excel in? Yeah, I think it kind of chose me because I started after I retired from gymnastics. I, I took a year off and then my English teacher saw me like running at recess and called my mom because I was half days in school when I was in gymnastics. So my co- teachers and my parents were really close and they're like, you need to put her in another event. So I started doing everything. Like I started doing hurdles. I was running. I was doing all of that. Yeah. And they're just like... um like my mom said I would come home and I would be like still running and like I would go for another run like there wasn't enough like could you say depth in learning because obviously you need to learn how to run you need to learn how to go over hurdles technically but it only took like two hours so the manager of the club at that time when I was in London Ontario was like well why don't we try an event that's very like high skilled and you're going to take like three four hours a day to learn it yeah. and so it graphs on to me because then I was occupied like all afternoon after school because I hated being in school it just wasn't for me I I didn't like learning through textbooks I liked learning hands-on and watching videos um and um and then after someone told me it's going to take three months to learn and then you can compete and so in my head it was like just a timeline like it was a goal so as soon as that I was like goal do this and then let's see how high I can jump and like no one told me what it like what the meat record was no one told me any of that they said just go and have fun and jump well I ended up breaking the meat record the very <laughs> first I ever did so I think wow. that was like okay I chose me but then also I got so much like attention from my name being on the headlines and I enjoyed you know nobody in that t- particular meet has jumped higher than me like I liked yeah 
knowing that I was the highest pedestal. Um, and I think that's just how like pole vault kept going for me. And then becoming now, I think I, I think I've broken like, God, I would say between 25 to 35 international records and then Canadian records too. So yeah. I own a record in Canada and it's just cool. Like I like that to know, yeah. like I'm that pinnacle that people are trying to reach for because I yeah. want to push, you know? So well, that's so obviously that's no, but that that's that's a huge huge driver for you and for so what was the the first Olympics you went to? I mean, you know, it's not to say any Olympics is different, but the first time you went there um, and qualified, I guess, to to go um, for a lot of athletes, that's like that is the pinnacle to be able to you know you've always thought you wanted to be an Olympian. Mm -hmm. um, you know, is that something you always wanted to do first of all? But then the other side would be like, how did? what was that experience like the first time feeling like, okay, I've, I've went to, you know, the top end of this sport to be able to compete as well. Yeah. I almost feel like it was something like, do you ever have like an ultimate goal and you're like thinking about it every day of your life and then it happens and then it happens and you're like, wait, that's it. Yeah. Now what? 16 days long, you know, and you're like, wait, I've been thinking about this since I've been 13 years old or yeah. like before. I don't want probably eight years old. I was trying to go to the Olympics for gymnastics. Mm -hmm. So it was like 15 years. I was thinking about it and I qualified for my first Olympics at 20. So in my head, like I went there and I thought it was going to be like fireworks and da, 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 and, and like roll out the red carpet for me, you know, and it, and it wasn't, and not that that downgrades the Olympics, but it was just something like in my head, it was something I wanted to achieve. And I had these high expectations of not competing, but what it was going to be like. Yeah. And it really, reminded me of any big international competition and so I think for me it was like I was like a kid like a sponge so I was at the Olympics and I was just taking in everything but it was very overwhelming because it was you know I remember I was I got like 300 texts like the night before I competed and I was so scared at the time I didn't know how to put like I thought if you put it on airplane mode like your phone that my alarm wouldn't go off and I had early morning qualifiers. So I had to be up at 4am and then I had to compete um, at 7.30am. And I was like, so <laughs> it was crazy. It was 12 o'clock and I take melatonin, like melatonin. <laughs> up. And my roommate's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I have to fall asleep. Like I haven't slept yet. Like I have the Olympic trials tomorrow and I got to go. I got to make this. And then she's like, that was the stupidest thing you could have ever done. She was wise. Liz Gleedle, she's our javelin thrower. Her and I always room together at Olympics. Yeah. And she was, that was really dumb. And I was like, why? I'm going to sleep. She goes, it lasts like seven hours. Yeah. So just like, takes like that, like, you know, you just are like, you're so desperate and you become so overwhelmed by the experience and the way the media and people hype it up that after being through it, I was like, okay, I understand. It's not, it's not like I need to like, be anything more than what I've already been doing the last 10,000 hours, you know, yeah. like I don't add anything. And I thought like, just because it was the Olympics, I needed to be even better, even stronger. And it wasn't. So going into Tokyo, that was just another story. Like it was, it was a horrible head injury and yeah. it is what it is. And, and, and that, that was more hard for me because I was, I was literally physically ready, but mentally yeah it was not connecting to my body and, and the injuries prevailed me from pole vaulting. And yeah. that's why I'm going to do another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's true, I guess. Right. It gives you something else, but at the same yeah. time, you know, you talked about, cause the stage is different each time. It's funny. We just talked to um, Shari Hawkins and she said, she said, Oh, well um, a lot of people don't realize that how I felt at a high school meet mm -hmm 
is basically the same as I feel if I'm at a world championship. It just happens to be that your concept of what a big stage is, is different because of what you've been exposed to. Like, is, is, is that kind of, uh, is it the same thing now that you've been to an Olympics and know that really it's just a different level of stage, I guess, but what you have to do is the same from a mental performance standpoint. Yeah, it doesn't matter when, where I compete, what time I compete, what meet I compete. It's the same butterfly feeling. Like She absolutely nailed that on the head because it's one of those things. It's just like you get that adrenaline pumping and it doesn't change. The only thing that changes is when it came to the Olympics, there's just more rules. Like, you know, you're, you're with your team, you're with Team Canada. So there's meetings, there's this. And it's like you have media, you have all this other things where if I'm competing in Guelph, Ontario, yeah. you know, I get media after I win, you know, and, yeah. and the whole buildup of social to it. Right. And so to me, that was like, what takes, that's what the different feelings is, is like, well, I just said this in an interview. Now I have to like, you kind of like subconsciously remember that, you know, yeah. but cool. Like the, the 10 seconds that I'm on the runway and I go to pole vault, none of that's in my head, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, I would definitely think like, it doesn't matter where I compete. I'm nervous and, and like that nervous ready feeling, you know? Yeah. Um, now you, you have recently done heptathlon events as well. Mm-hmm. So what, what, first of all, why, why kind of jump into that? What, what is it that kind of, I mean, I know it's an easier transition for you than some people because of the event you do, but, um, but why did you decide to do that? And, and how did it, um, how did it help you? I think, I, yeah. I guess from that standpoint. Well, I mean, you know, HEP, it's 48 hours, seven events, and whoever can score the highest wins, and each event has points. So for me, it was something, obviously, from the injury, I had to take six months off of, um, mm-hmm. after Tokyo, of pole vaulting, because due to letting my brain rest. Yeah. So that is the main reason for it. I knew if I stepped away from the track for so long, I'm such a busy body that I probably would have found myself in starting my business or like busy yeah. and probably tired and I think part of me if I if I decided to retire tomorrow I'm not upset with the career I've done like absolutely not I just know there's so much more in the tank and I think that's what would eat me alive every day Uh, you know okay you you went through that and now are kind of um are you are you planning on doing continuing to do heptathlon at all or how um how's that gonna go for you I mean obviously you're going right back into you know your your core Mm -hmm. sport a little bit but would you would you continue to do heptathlon after that or transition to something like that yeah I think for me it was one of those things it just it showed up so much in my pole vault training like a lot of people didn't know that you know leading up to world championships this year, I wasn't pole vaulting. I yeah. did five meets and within five meets, so eight weeks, I, um, I jumped world standard. Um, and so people, I think were really like in my team were really surprised and just like really, really excited. And it took a lot of energy out of me to jump that high that fast, just because it was kind of a shock because I went from not even be able to take off down the runway in 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 the olympics the previous year to completely taking six months off of pole vault training to then only having two months to get back ready for worlds and so i think that that just showed my athleticism and it allowed hept allowed me to continue the sport yeah and still have an eye on a prize that kept me motivated going to practice every day um if i didn't have hep i don't think i would have been as motivated and and as um 
sure that I could prove everyone right. That was on my team, you know, yeah, yeah. and just, I felt fit. I felt ready. And so I definitely am going to use some of that training going in. We just have to be careful because obviously I got injured at the end of last year and we want to make sure that doesn't happen again. Yeah. So I think really important thing is okay well where did that come from and it was probably um really just all the different spikes multiple times so we have to really be careful on like how many spikes or what training and what event what day yeah. um and i think we'll just reorganize that and that's why you have a team you have people to come in and really like make sure you're going to be okay um yeah. moving forward and i mean injuries happen that, that's like my <laughs> well, yeah. And, and now, now your first injury, obviously, because it was a head injury, does that um, like, is that something that um, does it impact you from a mental performance standpoint? Like, do you, does it, uh, did you have to overcome some things because of that? Because it is a little bit different than just knowing that, okay, if my, if my heel feels fine, then it's not impacting me the same way. But when it's something like a head injury, it's probably a little bit where you have to kind of get over, you know, that, that feeling a little bit, does it? I think out of all my injuries and I've broken my back, I've tore my patella tendon, I've gone stretch fractures, like my head injury has been the worst. And the only reason I'm saying that is because one day I was feel completely fine. And the next day I was like 10 step back. So it wasn't consistent. And I think a big thing for sports and being at a top level is having a consistent routine. Well, there'd be days like I couldn't see the box. There'd be days that I'd be crying. And then there's be days that I'm super excited. And so I think even the people around me at that time, we weren't educated enough. Like, what does that mean? What do we do? Do you take the day off? Do you push through it? Yeah. And we tried everything. And I think that that's where we went wrong. It was like, we were striving for so, because the Olympics was coming up in, well, I, I got my concussion in April, 2021. Yeah. And the Olympics was in July. So I had those three, four months to try everything so fast. They put me on antidepressors. They put try to stop me overthinking. Yeah. And really someone like, now that I'm, I'm partnered and I'm with Dr. Amen, um, Daniel Amen, he's one of the best neurologists in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and now that I'm with him, if I would have paired up with him the first thing, we could have figured it out. But we didn't know who to reach out to at that point. And yeah. now that we've healed my brain, it's better. But now I still, it's almost like you, your neural pathways got moved. Yeah. So now have to figure out how to be the best athlete with a little bit different thinking not that I have a brain injury anymore it's more so I'm a different person because of that experience mm -hmm. and I think that's where people really underestimate themselves is like well I didn't feel like this last year and it's like well because you're a whole different person tomorrow I'm a different person and so that really affected me and put a lot of weight on my shoulder like after Tokyo 2 and even this past year I was like I jumped 470 I jumped the world stand I was like perfect yeah. I'm back yeah. And my neurologist is like, no, you're not. <laughs> Calm down. You made a huge step this year. We we were, you did more than what we expected. And we are so excited for the next year. And the way he put that, because my athletic ability, I'm like, I can do it. I did it. I'm going to do it again. And that's just not realistic when it comes to those type of injuries. It's, yeah. it's very, I'm a very different person and pressure affects me different now. And so yeah. we've made again, more changes with who I am today than I was back in the day. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think it's, it's hard. I mean, that's what you get all the time. You get injuries, whether you yeah. like it or not, but honestly, I probably have to write a book after about a brain injury, trying to be at an elite level with such a high intensity, mental sport because mm -hmm. 
it just messed with me so much and I couldn't grasp onto my own emotions and my own control. And it was very hard because there wasn't a timeline. And that's what was hard for me. It was like, could be healed in six months. It could be healed in two years. It could be healed in three months. And that's what was hurt, hurt, hurt my well-being rather than like my athletic. It just hurt me because I was like, I'm doing everything right, but I still don't feel better. And that's what was frustrating and eating away at me every day. So now that we're back on a schedule when we're back good yeah. and we have a great team now around and, and we're monitoring everything, it's it's one of those things that I'm going to go in this year motivated as ever because I had a great last year and just keep moving forward towards Paris. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you say that because a lot of... Um, especially now that people are learning more about concussions and and recovery and things like that. That is the, the difficult thing is the timeline part, because it's not like, uh, you know, sometimes if you, if you break something, they may know it's six to eight weeks and that's pretty much a defined timeline for you. It's not always that way when it's something else. So, um, you know, along with that then is that obviously you have probably very specific goal setting things you do for sports, but you also talk about how, um, you know, you look at all of the different things in your life uh, about, you know, um, you know, right now you're, you want to feel like a whole person sometimes. So how do you, how do you balance that yourself? And I know it's different when you're in elite training and things like that, but um, how do you set goals in, in kind of all of those things when, when, um, you know, you want to be able to have some kind of balance at certain times? Yeah. So I I honestly put like priority goals. So like moral of the story is I want to be an Olympic medalist. Mm -hmm. And so I know that that is like my number one goal, but then you trim down and you go, okay, well, what's going to get me to get to that Olympic medal? Well, a big thing for me is love. A big thing for me is happiness. And a big thing for me is consistency. So if I have those three things that I know will get me to the Olympic level and get me to a medal, well, then if those categories of like events or people I see or environments I'm in don't line up to those three, like you could say, like branched off three, I guess, characteristics, mm-hmm. then they're not, there's no room for them in my life. And that's kind of like how I set my goal on everything. Well, why am I going to this event? Is this going to benefit me? Is it going to benefit my brand? Is it for love? Is it for happiness? Or is it for like furthering my career? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I goal set. I, I really always put it around my priority of like my number one goal. Mm-hmm. And then I trickle down from that. Um, because if I, if I don't have like something set then I feel like I'm too much in the present of like not sticking to my consistent routine, if that makes sense. Like off season, I don't put goals. I don't put goals around my house. I literally just live my life. I wake up when I wake up, I take my dog for a walk. I go see a friend here. Sometimes I miss lunch. Sometimes I miss <laughs> dinner. Sometimes yep. I eat at you know and it's that to me is very balanced and a healthy balance because I'm not constantly thinking of my goals where when I have my goals lined up it's like okay well is this action a part of the phase to get me an Olympic medal and sometimes you make mistakes that happens (laughs) but the time if they fall in those categories for me that's how I know I'm going on the right path yeah and and you have um, I mean you have a big community of people that follow you and and mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I would say the other thing is is that you probably have a lot of um, young young girls and boys but young people yeah. who follow you and also see you as a role model first of all I guess um, 
how does that feel considering, you know, you're still pretty young, but still to, to be able to know that, you know, you're possibly inspiring a bunch of other people for the same reasons, but also, um, have you seen that there's, um, a change in kind of, um, you know, how people perceive kind of strong women, strong female kind of role models and, um, you know, and, and your impact on that. Yeah, I, I think what I love about social has always been that there's so much room for tons of different role models. And I think that that's why, you know, someone else can be just as successful as me in track and field, because I might be have different characteristics and views and values than someone else and they might not relate to that and so Mm -hmm. for me I think the number one thing has always been is like stay true to who I am on social and like what motivates me what do I like what do I like to portray what do I like to show um because if I tried to be someone else it would just be this fantasy that people will try to put me in this small little box and I don't do well with stuff like that so yeah. I think when I post, it's more so for me and to show the world that anything is possible. Like that has been always my motto, like raise the bar wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm, I think I'm relatable outside of track and field. And I think that's why I've also brought a lot of people to become fans of track and field because of my personality and just who I am. And I'm out there and I, and I do like risking things. I like making mistakes and I don't mind making them in the public eye. I think it's very human and it's very, it's very a natural thing to do. And I love, I literally love going to places and people are like, because you posted this workout or because you did this, you motivated me to do that. So do I feel like there's a sense of pressure on it? Not really. I've never really felt that. I just feel like, I'm the same way. Like when I see people on social, I'm not, I don't want to be that person, but I'm inspired by their story. Mm -hmm. So I'm inspired by what they've done or what they've overcome. And that's all I hope to be able to portray to the next generation. And also, I mean, with my thoughts and process and me launching the Newman Hero Foundation, I think that that's some, another side people are going to see of me that's like, okay, it's not always just about like fashion and track and that it's going to be me getting back to the community. And I think that's where I'm like, people will realize that's where I get like a lot of my purpose in life. I feel like I get to use my platform and who I am to open doors for other people or start a pathway that people didn't know was possible. Yeah. Is is it hard at times? Because I mean, you know, having a big profile can do all those <laughs> things and help promote really good, um, um, you know, initiatives and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Is it hard when you have, because I'm sure you probably have a lot of the negative stuff that most people <laughs> who have, uh, you know, a high profile do. Is it hard yeah. to have your, you, you know, because you share a lot of your lifestyle and everything. And I'm sure there's lots of people that aren't, aren't so fantastic about that and everything too. Is it, is it difficult at times? I've never, it's never bothered me. And I think like even Sandy Morris, the best US a jumper pole vaulter always messaged me like I have a text the other day she's like how do you not care and it was like it wasn't (laughs) that I don't care what people think it was because I I grew up never wanting to disappoint people that loved me or I loved and that was a huge thing in my life it was if I love you and I disappoint you that's when I can feel it and it hurts um and I think for me it was I can't make everybody happy. I learned that very, very young that if I try to make everyone happy, I would be so unhappy and I wouldn't be as successful as I am today. And for me to be able to like be in the public eye and not care about those negativity. And I'm actually very, very lucky. Like if you go through my social, yeah, there's some sexual stuff, but there's nothing like 
mean like people aren't mean to me um on social and I've never said like disrespectful things in my eyes and I maybe read some disrespectful things but it's never affected me um and I think it really just comes from my values it's like well I don't a I don't really know you and b if that's your opinion that's coming from your own mind it's not what I see and it's not how I feel the way your comment came across so I never take offense I just am like oh okay that's your opinion you're allowed to have your opinion. I do not judge. It is what it is. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that's why, and I'm so easy going on that stuff. And, and I actually do appreciate people um, critiquing me. I actually, after New York fashion week, I called my PR agent and I was like, Hey, let's get my looks out to all the best and famous blog fashion blogs. And I want them to critique me negative and positive. He goes, yeah. are you sure? I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, I want to see like what I did right, what I did wrong, what was appealing to people, what wasn't. And so to me, like that is like data. Like I'm behind my head is like, oh, I can become better in the public eye for people if they tell me how they feel. Um, And so, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I'm I'm very... (laughs) it's great because i I think some people it does bother a lot and and it probably makes it a heck of a lot easier if you have that that attitude towards it and and so i mean obviously we'll talk about what you're you're hoping to do in the next little while but but just before we do that have you Mm -hmm. um because you have built all of these other things have you thought Mm -hmm. about when when you are no longer going to do kind of high level athletics whenever that is have you already thought of um because you obviously already have interests in in fashion and in media and things like that have you already thought around what what you'd like to plan to do uh, yeah absolutely I mean, I'm already so excited. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I have so much in my mind and so much things that I've, you know, before I had different goals before um, um, COVID. And once mm-hmm. COVID hit, I think it gave me a lot of time to like reflect on like what I think I would really enjoy post-track. And it's the wellness industry. I think I could be the first one to open a clinic up in Toronto that's head to toe, one-stop shop of a wellness, you know, hyperbaric chambers, float therapy, ice tubs, cold tubs, IV bags, banana bags. Like, I think that that's something I've really adapted since my concussion is something to make yourself better every day. Even though it didn't feel like I was better, I still did the steps to get better. And um, if I can have that like resources and people around me to build that, is what I'm building right now. I mean, I already own the name and bought the domain name. Yeah. So yeah. Um, One Body, One Life is what it will be called. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably start in there. And I could also see myself in like TV. So whether it's broadcasting or in a Marvel movie, um, I could definitely see myself doing like a short kind of career in acting after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just because I, I just love being in front of a camera. I love chatting. I love becoming characters. I love dressing up. I love getting yeah. my makeup done. So that's kind of like other interests I've always had when I was a young girl. And people actually don't know that part of me is after gymnastics, I auditioned for um, like with an agency for modeling Mm -hmm. and they said, Oh, you're a little too fit. So you have to pick between modeling and track. And at that time I was like, Oh, she called me strong. Okay. (laughs) You know, that's where was because I had an option I chose after gymnastics it's like well mama maybe I'll just go into modeling and and acting and then she's okay well let's go figure it out let's try it and sports just was it for me from the beginning and so I stuck with it and got full ride scholarship and turned pro and so it ends up working out but it comes full circle now the industry is a little different they do accept more body sizes more looks um and I think that that 
it was like timing too, right? Like yeah. I think that yeah. happens for a reason. Yeah. Well, and now, yeah. And now you have profile to go along with that, which probably opens more doors, which is, which is awesome. So, um, so just coming up over the next little while, I mean, obviously you're going into your newest season. So, um, you know, what, do, what does that look like for you? Like, do you have very specific kind of goals you're, you're looking to achieve into, uh, into 2023, I guess, because the official season starts at the start of the year, right? Is that, is that how yeah. it works? Like there's preseason and then the start of the yeah. actual competition year. Is that work? Yeah, it's usually so. Well, for us, my team, we start um, October and then we start mm -hmm. competing around like mid December and then yep. January, your indoor season. So for a lot of people, it's not like a huge because there's, uh, there's no like big world championship this year unless they move it somewhere else. It was canceled because it was in um, Shanghai. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's a, more like a tester starting like January to see where you're at. And then you re prep again in um, April. Yeah. Like March. And then you head out and it was world championship in Budapest this year. So oh, very cool. really cool that we got two world championships back to back. Um, and then we head into the Olympics the following year. So it's cool. It's like this whole buildup, but it happened so fast because it literally just felt like Tokyo just happened. Yeah. So it's cool that, you know, obviously it didn't go as well, but I was able to take some time and now like regroup to retry again. And it's already here, you know, so yeah. I'm excited to like just keep moving on this momentum that I have and, and heading in like on Friday is our last like me and the coaches get together we have a beer sometimes <laughs> we'll have a cigar like that's yeah. just what we do um and then we start Monday um October 3rd and we head in and it's for me I'll, I'll definitely do this year um like a dry preseason not every year I've done that and yeah. it's worked Sometimes I've had good seasons. Sometimes I've had bad. There's not like crazy effect, but this year I'm going to try a, a dry season yeah. um, from October to about January. And then um, a big thing for me after I compete is going to get a glass of wine with the track athletes after. Like yeah. that's just what vaulters do. Like yeah. people are known at pole vaulters party. Like that is what we <laughs> yeah. Um, so I always enjoy that and look forward to that and being back on the road with the girls and, and the guys too. It's, it's such a cool community and a cool family because there's only, you know, this right. little group of right so yeah. um just excited to get back out there yeah <laughs> cool well if um uh, uh, you know if people are looking to to follow you but also some of the things <laughs> that you're going to be doing over the next little while what are the yeah. what are the best ways to do that for people yeah, I think my social has always been my like number one platform. So just at Alicia Newman. Um, I also have the One Body One Life. I just slowly have been posting stuff. We have some cool like fitness boxes right now we're selling. And then that's not what we're going to do. It's just to get the name out there. And yeah. it comes with autograph cards. So mm -hmm. just want people to see where it is. And and we do we are giving away some workouts too, um, heading into the new year and planning a whole workout session for people. Um, and then my Newman Hero Foundation, that's just Newman Alicia or I think no it's the Newman Hero Foundation.com they we just made it like two months ago yeah. um that's there so you can donate on there um but that's all linked all yeah. my, all my <laughs> and that's we'll we'll get all we'll make sure all the links are in here too so that people can go directly there we'll make sure that um because that's great that you've got the the foundation built up we did look and and see as well um with mm -hmm. um your uh you know what you're going to be doing but also had the you know the bundles and a couple of those things on there as well so we'll make sure that that's there so that people can uh, take sure. advantage of those and connect with you um yeah. it, we ask everybody alicia for a couple of um just actionable things at the end and i i know there's lots that people have already taken away from here mm -hmm. but one thing would be, um, obviously, you've had, as any elite athlete, some some great high points, but you've also had 
struggles and challenges as you went through. Um, anybody listening, whether they're an elite athlete or whether they're just uh, an entrepreneur or somebody looking at maybe they have a career setback, maybe they have a setback um, from in their athletics. Um, do you have a couple of strategies that you use to kind of, you know, get yourself out of that when you feel like, okay, I've, I've really, I've, I've either plateaued or I've, I've had a real setback in my career. Do you have a couple of suggestions yeah. as to what they can do? The number one thing I did before, like when my concussion happened is like, I really did th- think I was going to retire. I was like, this is so hard. Like, why am I pushing myself through this when I can make a life for myself off the track? And I think the number one thing I kept coming back to, and it was weird. I've never seen the quote. It just popped in my head randomly, but it was never make a drastic decision at your lowest. So if a company's failing, things are happening, never make a huge decision and then reanalyze. So for me, it was, okay, let's reanalyze. I forget what coach it was. Me and my um, neurologist were talking about this. He was an NFL coach and he wouldn't watch games that they lost. He would only watch games that he would win. And so we started with that. It was like, okay, let's watch every competition that you have on tape that you've succeeded and you cleared the bar. And I think that helped me a lot. It, it, it brought me down to layman's terms. It undercomplicated everything. I was able to kind of put my ducks in a row and like reorganize simplify everything. And so that's what I tell everybody. I was like, never make a drastic decision. And also go back to the basics, go back to where you started to build it, find either that motivation that you needed to get to get to where you are now, or find what worked and move that forward. Because I think, you know, obviously things fail and things don't happen, but I don't like, don't give up on it too quick. I would say like, keep striving because if it's something you care about and you think about every day, that's probably your gut telling me or telling you or me, that's where you need to be. And that's, I mean, I saw, I see the national anthem every, like all (laughs) my dreams. So a part of me feels like there's like this national anthem that's going to come and that's me standing on the podium. Right. So um, I just think it's like, you need to make those internal decisions from your gut rather than your heart or your brain. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's interesting that you, you also connected to that. Cause that's um, it's pretty cool that, you know, that, that moment is what you'd, you'd hope to see over the next little while. And, and uh, you know, with your work ethic and everything else, I'm sure that that will, uh, that will come true. Um, you know, uh, again, you know, it, it's great that you've shared so much, really appreciate you, um, you being able to be so open and, and talking about your journey as well. Um, so if people haven't followed you, make sure that they do that. We'll put it in kind of all the show notes and everything, but just make sure that you check out Alicia's stuff. She has some some awesome content and um, lots of things coming up that'll be really important. Um, to anybody listening to, if you haven't hit subscribe on the podcast, do that now. We have great people every week, just like Alicia. So, uh, um, you know, really great opportunity to follow uh, to follow some of their journeys. But, um, you know, again, thanks for taking the time, Alicia, and, and good luck in your last of this week, where it's uh, hopefully your last week of, of just general fun and then back into yeah. kind of the, the grind of things. So thanks yeah. very much for taking the time with us today. No, no problem. It was a pleasure. I loved, I loved being on the podcast. So this was awesome. <laughs> awesome. All right. And uh, to everybody else, we'll talk again on Big Idea, Big Moves. Thanks for listening to the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. Be sure to drop us a comment on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Big Idea underscore Big Moves. We love to hear your feedback. Till next time, remember, big change comes from small, consistent actions.